0: Thank you for listening to the Leadership Under Fire, Humanizing the Narrative podcast. I'm your host, Patty Murphy. In this episode, I'm joined by Jacob Dutton. Jake is an FDNY firefighter currently assigned to Rescue Company One in Manhattan. He also serves as a human performance analyst and course director for Leadership Under Fire. You can hear more about his background and professional experience in episode number 29 of this podcast, titled Managing Risk and Morality as a Paramedic with Jacob Dutton. In this conversation, we're excited to explore a value that is important to all members of the LUF team and a tenant of the LUF philosophy. The value of having leaders from a multiple-generational team prepare leaders and organizations to perform optimally under pressure and navigate physical, mental, emotional, and moral rigors in high-risk and lethal settings. For these reasons and more, which we'll touch on in this episode, Leadership Under Fire will soon be making an even greater effort to contribute to the development of emerging leaders while also affording emerging leaders with increased opportunities to contribute to important conversations on operational doctrine, leadership development, and human performance optimization. To that end, I'd like to welcome Jake back to the show. Hi Jake, thanks for taking the time to speak with me.
1: You got it, Patty.
0: First, I want to timestamp this episode and acknowledge that we are recording at the beginning of October, 2023. At the end of this month, the Leadership Under Fire team is delivering a new course offering uniquely built around the perspectives of emerging leaders with five to 10 years of job time from several different fire departments across the country. Jake, at present, how much time do you have on the job?
1: Uh, I'm in my 15th year in the New York City Fire Department, Patty, and uh, I've been involved in the fire service, though, since I was uh, 16 years of age as like a, a fire explorer. And then I went on um, to spend several summers fighting wildfires in California, where I grew up, um, throughout the state, and uh, after that, made the move to New York City, and then spent Uh, a short stint working full-time in EMS before I I joined the ranks of uh, the FDNY.
0: I know that listeners to this podcast are aware of the answer to this question, but I wanted to touch on it in this episode. Can you explain the impact that time on the job has in the American fire service and why it carries so much weight?
1: I mean, time on the job represents a metric of experience, primarily. And, and that's why we value it tremendously. The experiences that our senior officers and senior members of the fire service have is uh, probably one of the most valuable things that we have in the fire service, especially when you look at things from a historical perspective and you think of things from a historical perspective. I know the old the dash that we don't want to repeat history uh, comes into play a lot. And I see great value in our senior members and even our retired members from the fire service with time conveying that stuff, uh, the historical perspectives of the fire service. Uh, I find personally great value of it, um, especially when it comes to navigating things that are uh, novel to us uh, in the modern day fire service, where, uh, you know, if you look back historically and through time, uh, you usually find prior members and prior companies and, and prior fire departments that have had to navigate similar uh, experiences or s- similar emergencies, similar fires, uh, similar challenges at those fires. And I, I think that historical perspective is is extremely important. And the time metric on, on the job, that is a representative of somebody's experience and, and what they can bring uh, to the table uh, and the knowledge that they can share with the the newer members of the fire service and the younger members of the fire service um, so that we hopefully will have a slide in our slide deck, so to say, um, when it comes time to having to navigate some of those difficult uh, types of scenarios or difficult types of situations.
0: What I wanted to offer in terms of my perspective and experience is that working on the projects that I have with the FDNY, with the New York City Fire Museum, obviously members with experience have stories to tell, lessons to share, and also contribute at the strategic level to policy making and things like that. What I think all of that does is it communicates knowledge, which is fantastic because that's what we want historical records to do. So acknowledging the strategic, tactical, and cultural impact that time on the job has What are some of the pitfalls of using that metric alone and what has the LUF team uncovered?
1: Well, I I think what we've kind of come to learn and, you know, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, we're we're about a decade into the human performance endeavor, both through the mental performance initiative in the FDNY and leadership under fires efforts uh, with the greater American fire service. And what we're starting to notice is that today's fire service and and the challenges that we face are dramatically different than our predecessors. I mean, if you listen to some of the things like what Jimmy Mack talks about when he talks about getting on the fire department and the differences in the gear that we wear um, compared to what he started and when he was wearing uh, blue jeans and and a bunker coat. Not only is the gear different, the challenges that we face and even the operational environment that we're regularly operating in, And today's fire service is dramatically different from what our predecessors experienced. And so with that, um, I I do think there are a lot of crossovers and there are a lot of uh, relatable um, experiences and relatable knowledge, but we're in a very unique position in today's fire service. And even I'll go as far as to say in today's uh, emergency medical services, where, um, you know, we're having to, to navigate things that there really is no playbook for, there really isn't too many people on on the face of the planet left that have experiences navigating things like a pandemic or civil unrest, you know, just to name a few things, a lithium ion battery crisis that we're facing here in New York city. Now Um, you know, there really isn't, isn't a playbook for that stuff. And so what we're finding now is that, you know, the, the people that are being tasked with navigating that stuff and making decisions on how we should navigate that, that stuff are, Our members that are currently engaged in the fire service. And even in a lot of instances, our members that don't traditionally have a ton of experience. uh, When I say experience, I I mean weighted against our predecessors and the amount of experience that they had And, and those individuals who we look up to as leaders of the fire service and who we've garnered tons of information from and tons of knowledge from. But now we've kind of entered this new realm and I'm sure this isn't the first time this has happened in the fire service, but we're entering a new realm, at least in our generation in the fire service, where there's a lot of blind spots and there's a lot of things that we don't know about. And day by day, we're encountering new and and kind of relatively uncharted territory as as organizations and and as a collective service. So that's where I see, and I think we're going to get into this a little bit more, obviously, but I, I see the benefit of a transition and listening to the experiences and and canvassing our, our services for emerging leaders, uh, people that are in the service, that are younger, that, that are ready to take on these challenges, so to say, and become the new leaders of the fire service.
0: Yeah, I can't recall a situation where it isn't valuable to have a fresh set of eyes on something as simple as that.
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, you know, like, it's one thing I, I've always kind of thought found to be interesting if you look throughout a, a wide array of industries and and across multiple disciplines and and even in government, you know, where a lot of our leaders regularly preach that they they want a diverse view whenever um they're they're, they're entering their office or they're entering their their fields and they say, I, I want to surround myself with uh people with diverse point of views. And unfortunately, usually uh ultimately they end up falling back on somewhat of a archaic or uh, people with views uh, that haven't even sometimes been in the fire service or been in the industry that they're in um, working on the front lines for a significant period of time. And, and I ultimately believe that that is to our detriment. Um, It it certainly leaves room for error, certainly leaves room for blind spots and certainly leaves room for uh, not getting the full complete picture of what we're facing in, in today's environment that we're working in.
0: To bring it back to the fire service specifically, it's the opinion of the LUF team that, in general, the perspectives of younger members in the fire service receive marginal attention and professional development programs for emerging leaders are scarce. Other industries steeped in tradition have made concerted efforts to develop and empower subordinates, and this includes the military. Can you offer any insight into how the exclusion of younger members of the fire service shows up?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think that uh, one of the the hot biggest benefits to the mental performance initiative that we noticed early on in the FDNY was that we were identifying uh, leaders amongst our ranks that weren't necessarily identified as leaders by rank. They were, you know, in uh, many, many cases, uh, firefighters or sen- senior firefighters that you know, hadn't chosen to take that path where they wanted to take on any formal rank in the fire service. But man, uh, I mean, if you look at even just Jimmy McNamara and, you know, as one example of that, like look at how much uh, the man has had to offer um, all of us in the fire service to date. Largely, he probably would have been retired by now had he not (laughs) discovered the Mental Performance Initiative and Leadership Under Fire. But I, I think that's kind of an example of where, we regularly view uh, rank and time on the job as a metric for leadership. You know, that's that's not necessarily the case. You know, like I just said before, we've identified tons of leaders in uh, the FDNY and throughout other uh, fire departments around the country. Most of those outliers are going to be speaking and contributing to the emerging leaders development course this fall but a lot of them don't hold any formal type of rank. Uh, however, we we are seeing their, their value and then what they have to contribute to the fire service moving forwards.
0: Thank you for that. And to give credit where it's due, in 2017, I attended the Naval Postgraduate School's Emergence Program. I was part of the pilot cohort. I was nominated by the department, the FDNY, to go and represent the FDNY. And it was an amazing opportunity. It brought together emerging leaders in the early part of their careers who all work in disaster and emergency management to network, to talk about emerging threats, and to really specifically have a conversation, a candid conversation about the challenges of working in a multi-generational environment and how to successfully navigate that. So that was one of the few opportunities I can recall throughout my career that was specifically geared towards younger members in emergency management or young leaders in emergency management. Why do you think it's so critical to include the perspectives of younger generations in high risk and lethal environments?
1: Yeah, thanks for that, Patty. And thanks for the question. I I think that I think there's kind of two answers to this. And, And the first is that. I'll, I'll approach it from a longevity perspective, right? Like we all have a limited amount of time in, in the fire service. And I'm sure everybody that's going to listen to this is going to roll their eyes potentially when they when they hear this, but it goes by very fast. And I am right now, um, you know, I, I can't believe how fast my time has gone by in, in the New York City Fire Department and how fast just life in general is flying by. And so I think that, out of the sake of bringing forward leaders to the forefront that are going to continue to carry the torch and identifying leaders who are going to be impactful and influential in their careers early on in their careers and giving them a longer lifespan of their career to contribute to initiatives and to contribute to leadership and to contribute to uh, professional development is super important. Um, and, And I think that, uh organizationally, a, a lot of fire departments are starting to realize this, where traditionally, you know, opportunities have been given to, to members of, of the service based off of their time in the job and based off of their rank, only for those members to contribute for a short period of time, which their time doing so may be very impactful, of course. However, soon after they're retired and they're, they're gone, they've left from the service and, and their time of contribution is actually a very small window. So I think that one of the most important pieces of identifying emerging leaders in the fire service and identifying the younger members of the fire service who are going to continue to carry on that torch and continue to be the leaders and come forth as the leaders uh, is tremendously important. And the sooner that we can do it and the sooner we can develop these people and give them the tools to carry these duties out and continue to move organizations forwards is tremendous. One of the things that I always hear when we do the mental performance courses or even when we travel around with Leadership Under Fire is um, a lot of the senior members will come up to me and say, man, I wish I had this information sooner. I wish I knew about human performance sooner. I wish that I had this earlier in my career. And I think that we finally hit a point in Leadership Under Fire where um, and, and in the Mental Performance Initiative where we have, you know, a decade later, we now are finally at that point where we have made Worthwhile investments and in younger members of the, of the fire departments and the fire service that are going to have and take uh, mental performance and human performance and leadership to a whole entirely different level that it's never been brought to before because of the time that they're going to be able to have invested in it throughout their careers. Where a lot of us, you know, you, you don't get promoted for 15 years or 20 years in your career, and then maybe you're only going to do 30 years in, in your career. and that's only a small ten-year window, uh, a small third of your career that you're really getting to be in that role and, and to even you know be a part of of moving that forwards. Um, so that that's pretty much like the the main point. You know, the second part of it, I would say, like from an operational and and tactical perspective, when it comes to operating in lethal environments, it affords us the opportunity to give our people the tools and resources sooner to be able to, to enhance their ability to navigate those those types of situations right the ever expanding scope that we always talk about that we're facing in the fire service is something that we're kind of in a, in a situation where you know tomorrow we're not sure what we could be facing you know the emerging threats that that we face uh you know even you know if you look at like the lithium ion battery crisis or if you look at technological advances even in terrorism, um, what's happening in Eastern Europe right now, uh, drone technology, um, you know, and and I, I believe that a lot of that is uh, somewhat getting—I don't want to say pushed by the wayside, but you know, uh, you know, when you think about several years ago, we we drafted in, in leadership under fire, we drafted the complex to attack white paper, and that was sent to a, a lot of the major leaders in, in fire services around the United States. Um, in all the major city fire departments. And I feel like in the end, we didn't get really too much of a response from too many leaders around the country. And it's my personal opinion that the actual construct of it was almost just too advanced to to comprehend. And when I say too advanced, I kind of mean not in a sense of that the, the writing was advanced, but the concepts themselves. And the ideas that were in it are kind of almost too modern for what we're facing today. I guess if that makes any sense. And it's my belief that one of the best things that our our young and emerging leaders in the fire service bring to the fire service is their ability to understand that sort of stuff and understand the things that we face looking forwards, and their ability to adapt to new technologies and their ability to uh, employ new technologies. And their ability to, you know, have strategic foresight of of what we could potentially face. Where I think, you know, looking back at the more seasoned leaders, and I think this is where their historical perspective is super super important. But I think that you know their experience levels could potentially have have blind spots to a lot of that stuff. So the emerging leader and the, and the younger leaders in the fire service, I think that there's great value in investing in them and moving forwards. And for that reason, from a tactical um an operational perspective and helping to reduce those blind spots and, and reduce those vulnerabilities to hopefully keep us safer and keep us uh moving forwards in, in the fire service.
0: A lot to unpack there.
1: Yes, I'm sorry I kind of rambled on there, but <laughs> a well, lot I, of...
0: I I took notes. It's okay. okay. Yeah. Well first... it's
1: funny because like so like we were just traveling uh in South America with my, my family, I have two year old and four year old now and you know we were my wife and I were laying in bed one night and was looking at social media and I see a a meme on there and it says like, I tell my two-year-old to tie his shoes and he looks at me with a blank stare. And then I give him an iPad and he can go on and figure out exactly where his little videos are and his movies are. And it's like, that, that's kind of, I think a good example of what, what I was trying to say there is that like, you know, like the age that we're living in when I was two or when you were two or four, you know, like we, I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that, but I, I think I could probably tie my shoes then at that point. And so, you know, two very valuable skills, but just a representation of the way we've evolved over the last several decades to to now where we are. And I, I think in the same way, the fire service has evolved and, and leadership has evolved and everything that we need to do to keep up with what's happening in the world we need to evolve. And I think that the key to that is our emerging leaders and and the younger members of the fire service and identifying those people um, who are going to be, you know, uh, at the forefront of moving fire service forwards in the years to come.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I also share your sentiment that the days are long and the years are short. I don't think truer (laughs) words have ever been spoken. And You know, with the rapidly changing environment that we're living in, it's hard not to embrace younger generations who have a different mindset and skill set and marry that, you know, turn to the old knowledge for new ideas, right? That is so much of a collaborative effort that brings so much value to the table. You touched on this with your answer a little bit, but I wanted to maybe flesh it out further that the LUF team's position is that each generation of leaders navigate an array of societal, technical, and technological changes that alter the nature of fire and emergency operations and tactical requirements. And the pace of change has accelerated in recent years, demanding that those shaping the operational strategic trajectory of the fire service are fully immersed in the vocation at present. From your perspective, what are some of the significant changes that have transpired in recent years?
1: I have a few things here that I, I kind of wanted to put down on that. But um, you know, I, I think that I, I want to answer this question like internally and externally. And when I say internally, like what are the things that we're facing that are gonna be uh, a, a potential benefit or a hurdle to us navigating our job? And, and when I mainly say that, I feel like the adaptation of technology into the fire service has been tremendous, even in the last year, in the last two years, in the last five years, we're entering an era where, you know, we're, we're able to send uh, unmanned uh, aircraft into to areas, to disaster areas, into collapsed buildings to do searches, which is is incredible. The technology exists uh, in, in the scuba environment and drones on the water. And so I think that, You know, one of our biggest challenges, though, moving forwards when it comes to that stuff is that there's so much uh, technology out there that I feel like we're having a tough time keeping up with the pace of its expansion. And from everything that we know about cognition and all the research that we've done, Jason's done and Jim McNamara's done and the rest of the leadership under fire team, you know, we know that still as humans, we have limitations. And so how do we decide what's to our benefit and what's to our detriment? Um, in other words, like what technology do we need? What technology is going to be beneficial to us and which technology is not going to be beneficial to us or or even in some instance, instances useless to us? Because now we know the limitations of human performance um, in high stress and extremely complex environments. Um, where 10 years ago, um, we had a lot of hypotheses about what would happen to humans. But I, I feel like now we have a pretty good grasp on exactly how badly we're being stressed during operations and and to what extent and and how that's actually even affecting our our cognitive abilities so I, I think moving forwards uh, you know internally we're we're really gonna need to have a hard look uh, at things like that, like what are we adapting in the fire service that it's gonna make our our job easier and our job better because i I personally still am a firm believer, and this kind of goes back to. The original question that you asked me, the views and opinions and, and what more senior members of the fire service have to offer us. And I, I think that, you know, there's nothing better than doing the basics very well. Um, anytime I've been in a situation where we've had to navigate an extremely complex emergency, emergency or fire, typically we don't have to do anything too crazy. We don't have to do anything too technical. We don't have to do anything too off the wall. All we really have to do is do the basics very good. And I work in a company now where we pride ourselves in doing the basics very good, um, whether it be simple things like searches or moving a hose line in or doing some sort of technical rescue. Everything we do is very basic and can, can apply to, to those types of uh, pretty much any type of situation and lead to a successful outcome. So I fear that, you know, uh, with all the technology out there and all the things that we're trying to adapt, and now, knowing the limitations of us from a human performance perspective, operating in those types of environments, you know what's going to be too much? And how do we draw it in? And how do we try and get rid of some of the noise? and how do we get rid of some of the background with that so that we can focus on doing the basics and we can execute our job efficiently and effectively so that our leaders aren't overwhelmed, so that our leaders are able to make sound decisions so that our leaders are able to to continue to move the ball forward and do things. the best of our ability. So that's kind of the internal part, the external part of of things that we face. I really think the sky's the limit on this. And I see great value in including emerging leaders in this thinking process, because I think that their view on the world and their their ability to expand their mind to possibilities is uh, at an all time high, and it's greater than we've ever seen before. But I mean, You know, if if you would have told me 10 years ago that we'd be facing a a major uh, crisis here in New York City with lithium-ion battery fires, I would have said, well, what's a lithium-ion battery? You know, I I think that there's great value in having um, younger people in the fire service that are in tune with a lot of these things to enhance our ability to have strategic foresight and kind of anticipate a lot of this stuff that we may encounter in the future. I mean, um, you know, the stuff we experienced with civil unrest you know, and and having to navigate that, that was another instance where most of the members in the ranks of the fire department that I work in, we didn't know how to navigate civil unrest. And where did a lot of us go to, to get advice on that? We went to our more senior and retired leaders who had great advice on that. They said, Hey, listen, I had to deal with this, you know, back in the sixties and back in the seventies, and this is what we did. And, and a lot of that was adopted and put into place and, and led, to our, our ability to su- successfully navigate a lot of that stuff and and again it, it kept it simple and it kept it to the point and you know everybody was able to navigate that and in, in a, a good manner and professionally courteously and there was great value in that and great value in having those discussions but you know there's there's other things when you talk about things like when I like I mentioned before like the complex attack white paper that we wrote like Sometimes I think that document in and of itself was too complex for some leader, leaders in the fire service to even wrap their head around, and so they just push it to the side. However, that is an extreme possibility of a threat that we will face at some point in the rest of our, our careers in the fire service. You know, that that's where I think the balance is, and that's where I think, you know, uh, I see the value of bringing up new and emerging leaders because they do have their finger on the pulse of of what's going on in the world, what's going on with technology, what's going on in various aspects. And they have the ability to do, you know, more out of the box thinking of the the current environment that we face, especially when you're talking about like, even just those people that are currently active and working in the fire service, you know, like it'd be very hard for me to go and ask somebody that retired uh, several decades ago about what, what their thoughts are about, say pre-hospital blood, a paramedic, you know, that's, uh, you know, like, and that's something that that is a challenge in, in technology that exists and that that is being done in various places throughout the country and is ex- being expanded everywhere. And even in my short time as a paramedic, I never thought that that would be something that we would be doing or that that our pre-hospital care providers should be doing, you know, giving blood in the field, you know, and that's just a small example, you know, so I, I think that it, it's definitely twofold and it's definitely balanced. Um, and we got to figure out, you know like how how we're going to balance that internal and external uh, challenges that we face and and create that balance so that we can still do our jobs effectively and in the simplest way possible and factor in that human performance factor where with what we know now we do have limitations as operators especially as environments get more complex we we need to be able to still effectively manage them and not oversaturate our our leaders and and ourselves
0: it's such a challenge to harness the stress and chaos of the operational environment. And uh, you touched on it earlier, I thought it was worthwhile to bring it up again. This idea of momentum that people experience on a personal level when they are involved with their profession and they're contributing in a way that is meaningful and in alignment with the mission. and i think one of the ways that you're suggesting to have emerging leaders participate in that is by using their knowledge and experience with you know things that you mentioned they're in tune with helping to simplify a very complex environment and move everything in a way that is streamlined and not so unwieldy and on a personal level, you brought up civil unrest as well. I experienced a very stressful and chaotic time, not in the field at that point, but at the strategic level, dealing with older generations with access to newer, provocative tools like social media, and not really have the same sort of Perspective as a younger person to use them most effectively, and so you know that's something that trying to be diplomatic here is I share that, but because it's tricky, right? You want to be respectful, but um, it's something to to discuss because it's important to let everybody have that sort of experience where you have passion and purpose in your life, especially when you're doing life saving work.
1: Absolutely. And I think too, like, uh, you know, you, you and I being in the same age range, we're kind of in a unique uh, situation where, you know, like I didn't have the internet in my house until I was a teenager, you know, like I didn't have a cell phone until I was 16, 17, you know, and it's like, we kind of are unique in that we remember what it was like without that stuff and remember what life was like without that stuff. But now we're just in this supercharged fast forward, you know, 20 years, and you're like, wow, where did all this stuff come from? And, you know, now it's like, oh, I don't, I don't have my phone on me. Like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, there's almost like a sense of anxiety there. And, and that's just a small example. And, you know, just the the different world that like, I look at all the time that my children are growing up in now compared to what I grew up in. It's just, it couldn't be further from from where we were back then. One other thing, too, I was just thinking, like, um, you know, from what we were talking about before was like, the broader perspective of, of our emerging leaders and how valuable it is, is, you know, like, you know, over time you spend a lot of time working for an organization, like um, you're going to enter some sort of phase of institutionalization where you you know, you're, you're going to see, you know, things a certain way. And and I think that bringing in fresh eyes and bringing in fresh people and bringing in uh, newer members of, of an organization, that have a fresh perspective is extremely valuable. Also, you know, like if we look at everything from like a risk and emergency management perspective, um, we're going to spend all of our time uh, attempting to identify our risks and attempting to identify our vulnerabilities and attempting to identify our blind spots. And, you know, how can you do that if you're looking down the same lens for over a decade or for 20 years and not getting some sort of fresh perspective or fresh view of that much broader uh, vision of what's actually going on in the world, what's going on around you, what's going on in your industry. So.
0: Excellent. Before we dive into what the upcoming course is going to be and what our goals are, specifically, what are the opportunities or advantages of having a multi generational team shape the strategic trajectory, operational doctrine, and capability set of fire rescue organizations?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that kind of just goes back to what I talked about before, and that's just um, when it comes to strategic foresight, leadership. Um, you know, in order for our organizations to be effective and efficient, we wanna we wanna be looking at everything. You know, we wanna be we don't wanna have any gaps. We don't wanna have any surprises. I feel like uh, the surprise arena. We could get into a whole discussion about resilience and, and organizational resilience, but I I think resilience is also reflective of preparedness, you know, like, and how prepared are you? And I, I think that being able to look at things from every lens and from every view is tremendously beneficial, you know, especially when we start looking down the road and potentially, you know, who knows what what our world will look like in 10 years from now or even five years from now. And and I, I don't think that there's uh, anybody out there that is more versed in being able to to see that stuff than, than our, our emerging leaders, um, our, our, our younger members, our, our junior members, whatever you want to call them, just because of, of the their broader view of the world and, and what's going on in it and, and everything that's in it.
0: Thank you. So you're acting as the course director for our emerging leaders course that's coming up. Is there more you'd like to share about the genesis of this course and how it's organized?
1: So you know, back when we were meeting pretty regularly with the the leadership under fire team, like one night we were out and discussing some things, and we started talking about you know our trajectory forward and and what sort of things we saw as beneficial, what things we saw to uh, thought that we should start including more or, or spending more time focusing on. And I I kind of had the thought of like up until that point I spent a lot of time uh, hearing about the values of human performance and leadership from from senior members in the fire service and uh well that's been extremely valuable and has shaped a lot of my views and stuff and and the way I see a lot of things I kind of begin to think like you know we're kind of hit that crossroads of now you know we we had several years into this endeavor and we'd identified a lot of uh, younger leaders irrespective of rank in the fire service that that had a, a lot to offer us um sometimes more to offer us than our our leaders that were identified by rank or that, that had more time in the fire service. And so I thought and discussed with Jason, I was like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool to start highlighting those members of the fire service and hearing their views when it comes to human performance and how they're using it and what things they value in leadership. So there, there in kind of was the Genesis and Jason was like, I think that's a great idea. Let's go with it. It, it took a, a, a little over a year or so to get it to, to go just because life was busy. But then we finally decided on um, this fall, uh, roll, rolling it out, developing it and rolling it out. And I think that we have uh, an, an amazing lineup of contributors for the program coming up, you know, uh, gentlemen and ladies that have been identified through uh, our leadership under fire team and um, other places uh, where we've developed mental performance programs, uh, places like Milwaukee Fire Department. Um, and uh cherry hill camden um senate has a few guys contributing uh through gabe so i'm really mu- very much looking forward to it it's it's a it's probably the most diverse group of contributors we've ever had in, in a program yeah we're, we're going for it you know i i think all of these uh people that were are we have on the lineup or have a, a tremendous amount to give to the fire service and, and even better, they have a tremendous amount more time to give to the fire service, you know, so bringing them to the forefront um, and hearing what they have to say and, and how they view leadership and how they view human performance and how all of this is intertwined into their day-to-day lives and then to their day-to-day activities, both professionally and personally. um, I'm very much looking forward to hearing what what everybody has to say and and where it's going to go from here.
0: It's so exciting to see ideas come to fruition. So even though it took some time, I'm happy to see that what you had offered is actually now coming yes. to, to fruition. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what are some of the themes you'll be covering in the first iteration of this course and how did you identify them?
1: You know, so, uh, what better way than to start with, a uh, Jimmy McNamara. So Jimmy and, uh, you know will be opening up the program um i've always admired jim's views on on the younger members of the fire service you know um and how he, he views the younger members of the fire service i think it's it's often said uh you know in many kitchens around around the world probably like oh the new guys they they're not that good or they're they're not that great and i feel like jimmy does a, a tremendous job of punching that right in the face and and bringing to light the the many benefits that the younger members of the fire service offer to to all of us. So you know we're, we're going to cover uh, that as as a start. And um, you know we have uh, Brennan Stagpole, Michael Connell, kind of talking about um, challenging the status quo, leadership, performance philosophies, and develop them developing them in the unit level. One that I'm really excited about is uh, DeAndre and Thomas from Camden. um, Uh, They kind of came up with this on their own and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing about it, but it's something that I've struggled with, I know tremendously, and that's creating a work-life balance to optimize human performance and professional performance. And so that's something that, you know, like when, when we discussed topics and and they were like, oh, we'd be willing to tackle that. I was like, oh man, that's, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I'm sure that every other younger person in the fire service trying to raise a family and, and do a million things all in one day faces the same challenges. But, uh, you know, I, I certainly struggle with that personally is trying to keep, uh, you know, keep that work life balance and creating enough time for my family and while also meeting the challenging demands of, of work um, in this day and age, you know, we're going to cover uh, Charlie Laudenslager and, and Joanne Mariano are, are going to be covering um, some stuff on engine and ladder company operations Ben Boss and Sean Ferguson, they're from uh, Cherry Hill and Milwaukee Fire Department, and they're going to be talking a little bit about um, building your file cabinet, um, some special operations competency and performance under pressure. Ben was recommended um, by Brian, so um, I'm very much looking forward to that. Brian's been a tremendous contributor to the Mental Performance Initiative, and um, Sean was recommended by uh, Tim and Zach from Cherry Hill who both contributed to the podcast previously. So I'm really looking forward to, to hearing uh, what they had to say. Peter uh, and then uh, Sean McCauley are going to kind of wrap it up towards the end. there, um, talking about resilience and uh, being comfortable, making mistakes. And then uh, the big, uh, the big end will be uh, Tom Miller who works with Jimmy Mack, who's been a tremendous addition to the, the leadership under fire team. The guy's a genius, uh, you know, developing the film room and, you know, uh, our ability to collect biometric data. Um, Tom's become very heavily involved with that. You know, Tom's a, a very prime example of, you know, J- Jimmy Mack regularly goes to work and says, you know, like, oh, I look in the back of the rig and I have you know, an astrophysicist on the back of my rig, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and that, that I think that's a prime example of what, what I've been trying to talk about this entire time is like, you know, the, these are the people that are, are making up the fire service. Now, it's not necessarily the blue collar workers uh, career field anymore. You know, you having people that have, you know, master's degrees and doctorate degrees from Ivy League schools, and then their ability to see bigger pictures and their vision to see what's going to happen in the future is, is uh, we've never had that before, and so I really hope that in the end, um, this is the start of the ability of being able to identify those people and taking advantage of what they have to offer in the fire service.
0: Awesome! It sounds so exciting, and I can't wait to see what all the diverse perspectives lead to.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, and hopefully, this will be more to come. Um, you know, I, I was just talking to Jason earlier, and. There's, there are still um, some seats available. So if anybody listening to this is interested, um, you know, uh, in, in being part of the inaugural uh, Emerging Leaders Development course for Leadership Under Fire, um, we still have some seats available and love for you to attend. Um, and hopefully this will be the start of of more to come also. I, I envision that we'll hopefully have some more of these programs down the road and, and all of these people contributing will also be con- – Uh, continuing to contribute to leadership under fires endeavor and, and, um, and programs in the future as well. So.
0: Excellent. And finally, what is the objective of the emerging leaders development course, ultimately?
1: I mean, uh, on a micro scale is, uh, I want to help uh, create, create a voice and an avenue to identify, you know, those leaders in the fire service that are going to be our next generation of leaders, and going to, be the ones carrying the ball forward for the years to come. I still have a lot of time left in the fire service, I hope, you know, but like I said before, it's flying by um, at, a, at a blink of an eye, you know, so I, I hope that we're going to continue to use this as an avenue to identify people in our job and in other jobs uh, throughout the country that will be the, the next leaders of the fire service and, and be able to move the, the ball forward. And I think, you know, ultimately on, on the larger scale, I hope that this gives th- those individuals a voice. You know, not to marginalize the efforts of mm. of other uh, groups or uh, other organizations and stuff. You know, I, I think that we've we've spent a lot of time focusing on the, the the views and opinions and and information that that our most senior members of the fire service have, even some of them of which have been haven't ridden on a rig in several decades, and like i said before i I do i do see great value in everything that they have to offer us um especially from a historical perspective and their experience but i I feel like equally we should be spending time giving a platform and giving a voice to to the younger members of the fire service that will be the next leaders of the fire service and that are here now riding the rigs going out the door every day facing the challenges that, that we face um you know both at home professionally personally and conveying that information so that, that we can make ourselves better and make the jobs better and continue to enhance the fire service as we move into uncharted territory and, and into the next decades where we will have blind spots and we will face things that we've never anticipated that we would face and, and, and have uh, the best leaders possible at the forefront of that, making decisions for us and making decisions for our people.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us today. Appreciate it. And I can't wait to see how everything works out.
1: You got it, Patty.